podcast is provided for general information and for general information purposes only and does not replace your financial, tax, legal or finance product advice. Hello everyone and welcome to The Female Investor, your chance to listen to two of Australia's leading property experts talking about all things property buying, finance, strategy and lots more. Kate Hill and Nicola McDougall are the authors of the book The Female Investor, Creating Wealth, Security and Freedom Through Property. Kate is an award-winning property mentor and coach, a qualified property investment advisor and founder of buyer's agency, Advisable. And she's a successful property investor herself. Nicola is an award-winning and prolific property journalist. She has been involved in property research, analysis and reporting for 15 years. And she is also a successful property investor herself. Property investment is one of the simplest, safest and preferred ways for women to create financial freedom. And with the right information to make an educated and informed decision, this can be achieved. If you know a woman who is concerned about her financial future, or maybe that's you. If you're keen to improve your chances of creating an income for life, then this is your place to learn, be inspired and motivated. Along with some special guests, Kate and Nicola will be offering genuine practical news and tips to women of any age to stake your claim on the property market. So come on, ladies, stay tuned and let's do this together. Hello, all you budding and existing lady investors out there. How's everyone doing? I've got a real, real treat for you today. Hayley, who is one of the case studies in our female investor book, has been gracious enough to join me, talk to me for nearly 20 minutes about what inspires her, all her motivations to be an awesome female investor. So I hope you stick around for that. It's really worth listening to. After that, I've got my property news update. So stay tuned for all of our awesome content. We are so thrilled to have you with us, Hayley. Welcome to the Female Investor Podcast. Thank you so much, Kate. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. We have featured a number of truly awesome women as case studies in our book. And you were very, very kind enough to allow me to tell your story quite briefly, obviously, in the book. We haven't got, uh, you know, chapters and chapters. And we thought it would be really great to have some of you back to tell us yourself about yourselves and your stories in a bit more detail. So if you don't mind, tell us a little bit more about you and kind of what got you started, what motivated you all those years ago <laughs> to start investing in property. Certainly. Well, I was in a very secure financial situation, Mm. married um, with a very small mortgage with my, at the time, husband. Our marriage broke up and that changed my situation, obviously, Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. from a, you know, double income family to a single income person. Mm. And I asked advice from various people and I think it was my accountant who you know advised me to speak to you know various recommended a financial advisor and yeah. I think it was that mm-hmm. financial advisor yeah. who actually introduced me to you mm-hmm. and at that time I thought about the benefit of investing in property mainly from a like providing an an extra income stream mm. because although I you know I've always 
worked. Um, I thought as a single person and thinking of, you know, getting into retirement, just Mm -hmm. really important to have, you know, different streams of of Mm -hmm. income and property seemed, yeah, just a very Mm -hmm. secure, Mm -hmm. sensible source of income to consider. Was finance and or investing discussed when you were growing up? Did you do you do you feel that that was something you were kind of always aware of, or did it become a little? Did you become a bit more aware of it as you got older, as you you know grew grew more into adulthood, as we say? I would say a hundred percent had never mm. discussed, had never yeah. thought about. Certainly during mm. childhood, my my mum. worked until I was born and then I was you know one of four siblings so my mum was always a a stay-at-home mum my dad always worked two jobs Mm. and I don't think I even was aware of you know how much he earned yeah or and you know just in terms Mm. of you know being I guess financially educated you know different forms of investment Mm. that's the thing Mm wasn't even in my consciousness consciousness. Mm. and I Mm. think like once I got married it was that was probably the first time Mm. you know you start thinking about oh you know we should buy a house and you know oh maybe we'll have a a share portfolio Mm. so Mm. I I would say up until the age of 30 investing, you know, financial freedom, you know, thinking of retirement and how you're going to fund yourself or your life in later life, Mm. zero thought Mm. and Mm. zero education. Yeah, yeah. And look, and I hear hear a lot, you know, I I have a lot of clients who come after a relationship breakdown, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, after marriage who then find themselves in, in exactly that situation going, oh, hang on, you know. And, and unfortunately, um, you know, Nicola and I um, have talked about this before in the podcast and I've done a blog about it, but since COVID and during COVID, you know, the divorce and separation rates have are increasing quite a lot. It's very sad. But, you know, there is even more of a need now for ladies to look after themselves financially, right? So Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and I certainly I have a few friends that I've watched go through the most horrible, you know, battles with ex-partners and the amount of stress that, you know, that sudden, Mm. I guess, financial burden in terms of suddenly being without a source of income or, you know, having you know, being a person who's given up your career to raise family or to, you know, support your partner while they've been studying or, you know, Mm. pursuing their career to Mm. suddenly be on your own with no financial support, Mm. incredibly stressful. Yes, yes. And perhaps not, you know, if, if, if they've had a similar experience to you, for example, where it perhaps wasn't part of like you say that consciousness growing up it wasn't talked about a lot suddenly you know I think that adds to the stress you know not just that situation that they've just gone through but then the thoughts about the future right and going absolutely 
Now what? It's going to work. No, exactly. Now what? What do I do? I, I have no idea, you know. And not everyone is in that situation. Of course, there's a lot of very well-educated and financially educated ladies. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's not a given, right? So, and we don't mean to really just sort of tell tell everybody horror stories, but it's, um, you know, what, what we're trying to achieve here is perhaps just to lessen the stress, to make to make it all a lot more doable, to make it a bit less scary, if you like. So, yeah. so, so carry on with your story, love. Tell it, tell us what then got you into, um, uh, you know, buying, buying that property. What, um, you know, tell us a bit about that experience. Well, and, uh, hmm. yes. Once, um, I was introduced to your lovely self <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you, you educated me just the notion of, it doesn't even necessarily be have to be somewhere that you can actually physically go and see. I would never have thought mm. of, you know, buying something interstate yeah. that I don't actually eyeball myself. Mm. But it's it's turned out to be one of the best decisions that I've made. Yeah, I've had, like, wonderful tenant. I've got an amazing agent and the, the rent from the property covers the mortgage. Mm. So it's kind mm. of just ticking away there. And each month I see, you know, the rental income comes into my, my bank account and it's, mm. yeah, it's very comforting to know that there's that, you know, that reliable um, source of income mm. is just mm. there. Mm. And I have to think very little about it. Yes. So overall, you'd say you're glad that you did it? Absolutely. Yeah. It was a fantastic uh, decision. Do you find that it gives you a certain, how shall I put it, sort of sleep at night factor knowing that it's there, you've got that income-producing asset sitting there? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And... Mm. Even, you know, worst case scenario, if I suddenly needed a lump sum of money, you know, if my, you know, my super is not enough to fund my retirement, you know, I can also always Mm. in the future sell that property. Mm. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a really important point, love, you know, you just mentioning super, it's, you know, knowing that that property is there, but it's part of a a bigger plan that you have, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of looking after yourselves, but not relying just on that one thing being super or some people rely on the aged pension. They don't even have a lot in super, you know. And again, uh, you know, Nicola and I have done some chats about this and a blog about this, the, the falling super balances for women. You know, you're always on the back foot, unfortunately, still in the 20, what, 21st century, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, from, in terms of the pay gap and getting super. So, I think it, and I speak from personal experience too here, that having those, the properties that I have, you having the property that you have is, it is sleep at night. It's knowing that you have those assets there that are growing in value. You've got something there that means, you know, you're not going to be scared to put on the heater in your old age. <laughs> Absolutely. Or you, you can, you know, you can go on a nice holiday have a Mm. a theater subscription or whatever it might be yes Yes. Mm -hmm. that's right sit there in your jammies watching netflix (laughs) in your dotage (laughs) without having to worry too much (laughs) have there been any less positive experience i don't want to say bad because there's ups and downs to everything Mm -hmm. right but has there ever been anything that this the answer might be no mm-hmm. has there ever been anything that's made you question doing that or perhaps just something that hasn't been all that great I mean I I 
I do own another property that I yeah. bought before mm. the um, the super right. investment yes. property, yeah. Yeah. and uh, I'm not a hundred percent happy with the agent managing that mm. property, and mm. I've had a couple of issues with tenants. Mm. But you know they were they were solvable. Like for throughout COVID, for example, I yeah. had to reduce the rent yes. on that particular property. Yeah. Um, I've since been able to increase it a little, mm. and I think with um, you know with foreign students coming back, right. and, yes, um, you know with COVID restrictions easing mm. and the economy improving. I'm confident of being able to yeah increase the rent again. Mm. Mm be able to draw on a bigger pool of, you know, prospective Absolutely. tenants. Absolutely. But, you know, honestly, mm-hmm. that's probably the only the only thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. it is something that people do worry about, you know, yeah. um, people who aren't experienced investors or who are newbies, they do, oh, gosh, what if my what if my property's vacant? What if, yeah. you know, there's a lot of what ifs out there that, that can put people off and they procrastinate. And some of them are very valid reasons. You know, I'm not saying don't worry about, you know, your property being vacant, don't worry about, you know, don't not worry about dropping your rent, having to drop your rent, I should say. But I think the key thing there is that it's all solvable. It's not, hasn't been the end of the world. You've come out of it. You are still coming out of it on the other side. Yeah. Um, And and I think also, I think not being afraid to to seek advice and speak to admit as many experts as you can. Like there's so many resources out there mm. and even just getting, you yeah. know, reading Google reviews and, you know, asking, yeah, asking around. <laughs> yes. Yes. Buying books on the subject. That's right. I'm holding it up for behavior <laughs> yeah. to see. <laughs> the female investor, everyone. Yes. Yeah. And, yes. you know, yes. finding, yes. finding the right agent. Mm. Like you know, asking around and finding people who you yes. know are happy with with the yeah. person that they're currently using. Yes, so yeah. I think the information's yeah. out there. You just have to, yeah, just talk to as mm. many people mm. as you can mm. and ask ask for recommendations. It's so yeah. so yes. easy to find out now about. Yeah, that's such good advice, Haley. And and again, personally, you know, I've had. Um, I tend to find that there's a couple of properties that are continual problem children, as they call them. <laughs> if they ever appliances that are breaking down and, you know, never-ending stream of maintenance issues. And um, there's others that I never hear a peep out of them except once a year, hey, we're going to put the rent up. I'm like, great, let's do that, you know, makes up for the two problem children. But even there, there is nothing really, and I've had some quite substantial rent drops, you know, in a couple of mine that are creeping up they have been creeping up again for the past few years so that's good but there's nothing that has discouraged me or stopped me in my tracks from continuing to do this right because I know what the end result is and it is worth it and yes there can sometimes be a little bit of stress and yes there can be a bit of hassle and I will tell you now the paperwork is bloody endless I've got rates notices coming in and I'm like, I've just paid this overnight and it's new next quarter. (laughs) But those are, you know, it's not, it's not easy, but it's not impossible. And like you said, I think such great advice in terms of getting help, getting professional help, getting experts to help you as you don't have to do this by yourself, which is part of the reason for this podcast in the first place, right? (laughs) (laughs) To make it all a bit less daunting, uh, you know, and a bit less scary, even and if you've got your first property, 
then you've got that experience, you know, um, you, you, you kind of know the drill in terms of rent coming in, mortgage payments going out, tenants maybe wanting the odd thing, having the odd repair done, and you just get into the groove of it and find that it's it's not that scary and, and look at this awesome asset that you have, right? Mm-hmm. So have you got some, again, you can say no, love. <laughs> have you got some little words of wisdom for us? Do you think it is important in general for women in particular to get going on this, to start investing in property? Absolutely. I think mm-hmm. like even from a just self-confidence, self-esteem, self-satisfaction, like having control of your own finances and having, you know, having the, the, the confidence and the, like the, the knowledge that you, you know, you understand your own finances and that you have, you know, the means to do, yeah. you know, things in life that you, you want to do, like pursuing yeah. hobbies and like enjoying travel and, you know, just doing what you enjoy yeah. in life mm-hmm. and having the means to do that. Yes. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. 100%, yeah. just not having to rely on mm-hmm. someone else to or, provide. Or, or, the, gov- or the government. Or yeah. the government, <laughs> yes, someone yes. else being either, a, you know, a partner or the government. How mm-hmm. how empowering is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. <gasps> wonderful words wonderful words I just never I just love the thought that I will always be able to be self-sufficient in terms of you know Mm. being financially independent um, and not having to rely on anyone else yes and we have to say, um, all you lovely ladies out there listening, that that doesn't mean we're anti-relationship, right? Neither of us. Oh, absolutely no. not. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm like happily together with the most fabulous John for 20, 25 years now. Um, it's, um, you know, we don't want to make it sound like it's, you know, um, it's a selfish endeavour, but it, it kind of is a little bit, you know, there's always that, at least the taking control, having the confidence, knowing the financial situation. I think that's key. You know, having yeah. a part of that, being part of it, and the decision yes. making. Yes. Well, they, I think there can mm. be so much in terms of relationships. There can be so much emotion tied yeah. up in oh, the, the relationship. So, even yeah. you know, being able to to remove that emotion, yeah, and just practically, you yes. know, being having control of your yes. your financial yes. and independent, like you independence. said, independence. Yes. And regardless of the, t- the type of relationship that you're in. Hmm. Yes, yes. And I think, what again, wonderful words that you said earlier on, it's empowering, right? It's, yes. It's a self-esteem boost. It's confidence. It's taking taking charge. Someone who knows me will go, yep, that's Kate. <laughs> taking charge. <laughs> Control freak. But it is empowering, ladies, and we do encourage you all to get out there and just make a start on it. Um, even, yeah. even if it's just the little thing of buying our book, having a little read, shameless plug, I can't help myself. And, um, you know, just just getting getting your path, start to forge your path. I think that's really important. Yeah. Thank you so much, Hayley, to, for taking the time to be with us 
and inspiring lots and lots of other ladies out there. Really, really appreciate it. We think you're awesome. <laughs> you're very welcome, Kate. And uh, yeah, like your book was an amazing idea and I hope that lots of women read it. So and then I'm, not, I'm not paying her to say anything. No, recommend it to your friends. <laughs> We're ad-libbing and, here. Come on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure that it will encourage a lot of women to just who've maybe not thought about it or haven't quite had the, the confidence to take mm. that first step, just, you know, go and talk to someone mm. and just start thinking about, yeah, just yeah. taking one little action step. That's right. Mm. All right, love. Thank you so much. We'll let you go. Might talk to you again sometime soon to hear how it's going. So take care. Thank you, Kate. Lovely to talk to you. And you. Bye. Bye. So, everyone, isn't she fabulous? It never ceases to amaze me how awesome some women are. Don't hesitate to email us at info at thefemaleinvestor.com.au with all your questions. Next up, all your latest property news. The Reserve Bank of Australia Board has decided to increase its cash rate target by 25 basis points to 0.35% in a bid to control inflation, which, according to the most recent figures from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, is rising at its fastest pace in 21 years. This cash rate target serves as a benchmark for home loan interest rates. And whenever the RBA increases the cash rate, lenders tend to follow suit by increasing variable interest rates. Now, that means that borrowers could soon see their mortgage repayments rise. In fact, we'd say it's probably quite likely. Buyers looking to enter the property market could see a reduction in their borrowing power as a result of the cash rate increase. When banks approve home loan applications, they assess a borrower's ability to repay their home loans at an interest rate that is several percentage points higher than the mortgage rate, and that's known as the assessment rate. So with interest rates and mortgage repayments now rising, some potential borrowers might see a reduction in the maximum amount of money they can or could have otherwise borrowed as lenders look to ensure that borrowers will be able to continue repaying their home loans, even at a higher interest rate. Buyers may experience different levels of reductions to their borrowing power. It really depends on your own personal circumstances. So you need to talk to your brokers about that. Now, because of increased levels of household debt, because house prices have you know increased so much over the past couple of years, we've all had to borrow more money to purchase property. AMP says that the RBA won't need to raise interest rates to 5 or 6% as they have done historically to get inflation back under control. They expect the cash rate to reach 1% by the end of 22 and 1.5% by 2023. So thereafter, if inflation does substantially decrease, then they expect the rate could drop again. 
The big banks in Australia offer mixed forecasts for the peak of the rate tightening cycle. Combank expects the rate to peak at 1.25% in early 23. Westpac predicts a peak of 2% in mid-23. ANZ expects the cash rate to reach 2% by the end of 23. And NAB forecasts a peak of 2.25% by the end of 24. So they're all pretty similar. federal budget missed a real opportunity to do more to fix the planning system and deliver more new housing. This is according to the Urban Development Institute of Australia. The UDIA national president says that it focused on helping owner-occupiers, first-home buyers and those needing affordable housing, but completely ignored the rental shortage. There is a real need for more rental accommodation, they said, particularly in the regions where vacancy rates are virtually zero in many areas. They also said that we rely partly on investors to provide homes for tenants, but the supply of housing is not keeping up with the demand at all. Supply side support and reforms are critical. A senior economist at St George Economics says that if unemployment is reduced, then that will likely lead to higher wage growth. He says that this will improve the whole economy, which will have a positive impact for owner, occupiers and investors in the longer term. There's really nothing like stating the obvious, is there? A return of investors is unlikely to really help ease Australia's rental crisis in the short term. The value of investor lending hit a record high for the first two months of 22, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, but it likely won't be enough to offset the number of investors who were discouraged from borrowing by the banking regulators, who were put off from purchasing rental properties by the threat of the Labour Party abolishing negative gearing last time round in the federal election, and those who sold property during the pandemic. Monthly spending by investors in January was $10.9 billion, which is the highest since April 2015. It dropped slightly in February to $10.75 billion. The investor market has rebounded a little because borrowing has been made that little bit easier, or at least it was until today's interest rate rise. Some rents are rising slowly and property price growth potential is, of course, still there. Yields have actually decreased in the last few months in many areas because rent rises have not kept pace with capital growth. Also, many landlords are reluctant to charge market value rent for fear of losing a tenant, and this makes the purchase of that property by an investor who requires a certain yield much more challenging, and a lot of landlords don't seem to realise this. But that should and hopefully will change over the next 12 months as rents continue to rise as we experience our rental shortage. Many investors who sold out of the market have sold to owner-occupiers rather than investors. Vacancy rate data from both Domain and SQM Research puts the national rental vacancy rate at just 1% in March. 
The ANZ Bank analysis predicts wages growth and built-up savings during the pandemic will help cushion the impact of interest rate rises now and in the future. A senior economist of theirs expects wages to continue to accelerate throughout any future interest rate hike cycle. They say that they expect that unemployment will continue to fall, reaching a five-decade low of 3.3% later this year. Now, that's obviously also because we have a real shortage of staff and, you know, people who can be employed. We've had zero, almost zero migrants coming over. This means that some of the impact of the higher interest rate payments and reduced borrowing capacity will be offset by higher household incomes as interest rates rise. They say that rate rises do not always result in lower property prices, quite the opposite. Why would they? Between 2002 and 2008, when rates were rising, house prices actually increased by more than 50%. ANZ continue to say that while they don't expect to see such a strong run of housing prices growth through the impending tightening of the cycle, they do expect the correction in house prices to be a moderate one, especially when compared with the rapid housing price growth over the last couple of years. Foreign buyers are returning to the Australian market with a new NAB survey revealing they now account for 7.9% of the demand for new homes. The lift is the third consecutive quarterly increase of foreign buyers and the highest level since the mid-2020s, although still below the peak demand of nearly 17% at the height of the Sydney and Melbourne housing boom from, let's say, 2014 to 2015. The survey shows first home buyers still dominate the new housing market, although their share of total sales fell to two and a half year low of 40% in the first quarter of 22. The NAB is predicting a moderate increase in Australian house prices this year, with Sydney and Melbourne recording similarly moderate increases. And that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and found it super useful. You can email us with any questions that you have on info at thefemaleinvestor.com.au. Don't forget to order a copy of the book, The Female Investor. You can go to your local bookstore, pick it up on Amazon or Booktopia or anywhere that good books are sold. And you can head to thefemaleinvestor.com.au where you can click on the links and also find lots of resources on property investing, news, hints, tips and videos. We will be with you all again soon. Stay safe and well, everyone. Bye for now. Bye for now.